and then what we're going to do is have a little conversation with Phil about his book, Hashtag Positivity. And then Phil, I've known you for a long time, but I wanted I wanted to just give those people who don't know you, which would be maybe just a few, uh, some of your accolades and you know, I'll, I'll let you pipe in a little more if I've forgotten ones that are most important. But Bill Helmuth is a 16-time World Series of Poker champion. That is the most all-time. He also has the most caches and most final tables. Uh, he is in the Poker Hall of Fame. Many people, including myself, would call him the greatest of all time or the GOAT. And he has also, very importantly, raised over $50 million for charity through a variety of different venues, including emceeing uh, poker tournaments. He's married with two children, two adult children, I should say now. Uh, and he's a New York Times bestselling author, advisor, and investor in a, in a variety of highly successful companies. And I would like to say also my very good friend. Um, and so, Phil, I could go on for a long time, um, but I think one of the things I'd like to say before we get going in our little chat to the group who's assembled here tonight is, Bill has, has jumped into my life many times uh, when I've needed it the most. And he's brought energy. He's brought positivity. It's it's almost uncanny how he has, hey, has said to me, hey, let's go out to lunch. Let's go get a drink or whatever when I've needed it most. He's almost clairvoyant about that. Um, and I think this is at, at the core of who he is in addition to, to being the world's greatest poker player. He's one of the world's best humans. So having said that, Phil, did I forget anything that we should have highlighted? Because no, I, no, that's good. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe maybe you can explain a little bit of you know your world of poker. And then I wanna I've got I've got a whole bunch of questions about your book that I've obviously read a few times, but maybe just give a little a little introduction. Let's go right into the book. Okay. So so Phil Phil wrote this book called Hashtag Positivity. And, and it gives you eight specific lessons right there. And it's it's a very powerful way to help, I would say, live a positive life. But you know, maybe Phil, you can take it, take it there from there, maybe start with start with whatever whatever part you want to. And and even on the back there, some very famous people have have endorsed Phil's book, including Tony Robbins and others, about how meaningful it is, it has been for them. Um, but start wherever you'd like with your your tips or your book. Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was nice to have, uh, you know, I sent the uh, I sent the book to Cheryl Sandberg mm -hmm. and Cheryl uh, was the COO of Facebook um, for a long time. And uh, she was also the COO of the small company called Google. <laughs> and uh, she left and went to Facebook. And, you know, when I said to Cheryl and she's written a couple of New York Times bestselling books herself. Uh, she was so excited. Uh, you know, it was kind of cool for me because she's like, Phil Helmuth Jr., let's down this poker face and shares his personal strategy to help him achieve success as a world-class poker player and bestselling author, yada, 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 da. But it was pretty cool. She loved the book and she's like, this is incredible. So it's eight life tips. And basically I gathered these life tips. Oh, and the other, the other one that I love is, you know, Tony Robbins, right? So... So I was playing poker on the East Coast, um, making an appearance. And uh, somebody's like, oh, Phil, my girlfriend's going to show up at, you know, in half an hour and you have to wait. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of pictures in that room and I've signed a lot of autographs. And that's, you know, that's kind of the way it's, it, 
it goes for me. But especially in casinos, and I'm like, oh man, another half an hour just waiting around. Are you kidding me? And uh, so I stayed in the game I was in, and you know, and and he's like, and she's like, Phil, I was just in Tony Robbins' seminar this weekend, and he told us to buy your book, Positivity, and it was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> it was a great moment for me because you know Tony had given a ringing endorsement. Um, but for him to tell people to buy my book was pretty cool. Um, and basically, I came across this book, these these life tips organically in my own life. And, uh, you know, whereas Alan's tips uh, have a ton of science, which which is, you know, important and cool. <laughs> Mine are a little bit more uh, probably probably there's science for five of them or something out of the eight. I don't know. But. But uh, but I mean, this is a little bit more like so you notice the subtitle of the book is you're always in the right place at the right time. I love that subtitle. Phil. Can you explain how you came about that? Yeah, you're always in the right place at the right time. All of you tonight here, by the way, as well. <laughs> right. And since we only have half an hour, we have, what, 22 more minutes or something. Are we done at seven? We can go to 730 or 740. That's whatever whatever is okay. working with you, Phil. So, yeah, the, the always in the right place at the right time was something when I moved to Palo Alto in 1994, I kept running into these super, you know, uh, super, um, you know, uh, successful people. And we sent our son, Philip, to Bing school. And that was a little bit of a shock, I think. It was like a Montessori, except better. And now it's rated the number one preschool in the world. Um, I did not know that. That's where Katie went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what were we paying? 20,000 a year or something? I remember too much. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty ridiculous. Here, let's send your kids to a preschool. <laughs> like 18,000 a year. It's 1994. Yeah. No, I'm like, what in the, and, uh, but everybody, uh, all these, all these people kept saying, I kept, I kept asking them, how did you do it? And they said, oh, I got lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. I heard that over and over again from the world's most successful people. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I started thinking a lot about that. And finally, it occurred to me that, you know, everybody's in the right place at the right time. And the story that I like to tell about that is pretty simple. So you have someone, you know, uh, with, I don't know, two kids uh, um, at the dinner table. And uh, we'll say female, switch back and forth, whatever, says, hey, you know, We'll stick, we'll stick with male in this case, just because um, I think probably um, whatever. Now, you have to be careful everything you say these days. My God, I'm, I'm like, you know, yeah. I will say that uh, let, let's just go with the story. There's a father sitting at a table and he says, hey, to his wife and kids, these are the eight reasons that I, you know, basically the eight ideas behind the perfect sports bar. It's beautiful. It's eloquent. And that's his dream. He wants to start a sports bar. And then he says, Martha, please pass the peas. Um, that Martha, please pass the peas um, is something that my friend Carl Westcott taught me. Um, Carl is a Horatio Alger award winner, uh, rags to riches. Um, I, think, I think the Senate gives 10 people a year this award or something. And I'm not sure, but you'll have to look it up. Maybe it's 20. Yeah. Anyway, he received that award and, you know, his, his concept was, 
Martha, please pass the piece, which means that person is done with the idea. Someone next door talking to their wife and kids. These are the eight reasons to do a sports bar. Da, 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 da. It's beautiful. It's a great idea. And But he decides that on the way home from work tomorrow, he's going to stop by his favorite sports bar. Now, you listening to this can imagine him opening the door as he walks in. And behind that door, figuratively behind that door, are eight other doors, right? One of them, you know, it's pretty easy to see. You know, one of them is, hey, maybe the owner's there that night. Maybe the owner's like, oh, I'm looking to get rid of my sports bar. Or maybe the owner's like, my sons, my daughters weren't interested in this bar. You are. This is great. There's a hundred, you know, and, and this, and, and it could lead to that chance meeting could lead to him, you know, uh, figuring out, all right, here's the next door. Now I've met the owner. I'm going to, oh, I'm talking to him. What's well, another door you've gone through? Oh, he financing over here on the left. Okay, I'll open another door. And so the people, the most successful people in the world, um, and I'm lucky because I get to, to hang out with, I mean, I'm called the billionaire wrangler by TikTok, that I mm -hmm. somehow am attracted to or the world's most successful people are attracted to me. And, you know, and so one thing they all have in common is they're always in the right place at the right time and they always take steps forward. So I like to think of it and that's why we have, you know, a door on the cover, hmm. you know, open a door, then another door, then another door. So that's one of the eight concepts. Um, I like the one that you, you told in the book about putting your, your goals on the bathroom mirror though. Um, and I think actually writing them down, which we don't typically do as much anymore, you know, people are typing or putting things in their phone, but can you, can you go through that one with us for a few minutes? Yeah, that's pretty simple. So basically, you're going to have your 2023 goals. And the important thing is to write them down. Now, you're not going to get them on the first try or the second try or the third try. And, you know, and you may adjust them because you want the most powerful, the one you want to achieve the most at the top of the list, and you may change the order. So I go to my computer and, you know, and I print out a list, uh, 2023 goals, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it is. And, 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 you know, and then basically I tape that list to my bathroom mirror so that every morning, you know, when I'm brushing my teeth, the list is there. And the first week, you might notice it every day. And, you know, and then once a week, you might actually physically or, you know, consciously see that list. But unconsciously, subconsciously, you see that list every single day. And so and we all spend time in front of the bathroom mirror in the morning. And so, and so um, the interesting thing about this is um, I started teaching this tip in, I don't know, 10 years ago. What's amazing to me is the number of people that have come to me and they said, Phil, I achieved my number one and my number two goals. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just like clockwork. I gave a speech once, Alan, here in Palo Alto to 100 people and, and you know, and they, they reached out, it's three or four of them, you know, one time, one time I'm at a, a Starbucks and this guy's, oh, I'm a big fan, da, 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 and I'm shaking his hand and whatever, you know, and I don't know, he seemed a little bit like, I don't know, almost energy draining, you know, some, some yeah. people are like that, but of energy course, vampires. I shake the hand, I'm nice, I was at, and then boom, his wife steps up behind him and he's like, oh my God, I used your tip. I used, I, I put your, the yearly goals on the mirror and I, and I hit all three of them and she's going on and on. And that was, 
you know, more like, you know, good, good, happy energy, which I'm used to for most people. And, uh, you know, but Alan, it goes on. I mean, the number of people that tweet me that reach out to me, I've already been written in books, written up in books by people that have been able to achieve their one, their first or their second goal. So that's pretty powerful. Alongside that tip. um, So that's our second tip. We'll go to our third tip, which is write down your blessings. Mm. And I can save you some time. Um, You know, you're probably if you have good health or decent health, That'll probably be at the top of your list above everything, because if you have good or decent health, um, you know, that's that's going to be your number one blessing. Now, your number two blessing. I don't know. Um, you know, usually for me, it's family. Right. So it's always, you know, health for my wife and kids. And, you know, then three. Now we get something interesting. Now it's 16 world championships of poker, you know, and then, you know, number four. All right. Writing a New York Times bestseller or maybe this house I live in, in Palo Alto, which is incredible. And so, you know, and so you start to, you know, and so that's something then that, so now you've written down your blessings, which I just say blessings. And then I tape that to my bathroom mirror. So I have my goals and my blessings usually on top of each other. Right. So every morning, you know, I'm leaving the house a little bit happier because I'm tuned into blessings right? And I'm leaving the house a little bit more focused because I'm tuned in unconsciously usually. Um, And so I think that, you know, the blessing thing helps people with happiness. Um, You know, I had had a a coach once who told me to to write down my blessings and to email them to every day to him. That was was an interesting way to do it. Um, He came up with that independently of, of my tip. So, you know, that's kind of the bathroom mirror stuff. Now you see that every day. So I love that tip. Again, um, it just kind of reminds you, I mean, boom, there's your blessings, right? You wake up in the morning, you're starting your day and you leave the house a little bit happier. I think that's, that's a really good thing to have side by side, because if you get just focused on your goals and not kind of reminding yourself, if I work really way too hard, maybe I'm going to get number one, two or three, but then I'm going to not be paying attention to those things that are really most important to me, maybe my health, my family, whatever I'm doing in my community. And the balance between those two can sometimes get out of whack, right? Like if you're, I I become maniacal sometimes about, I'm going to get this, I'm going to go after this. And then I'll forget that I could destroy my health or destroy a relationship if I'm just too focused on getting something done. Um, when, When you talk about, I think it's in the book, number four, this idea of uh, creating your pyramid for success. Uh, can we, can we jump into that one? Is that we've done two? Yeah, we've two done four tips. Like, we'll go to, we'll call this one number five in the book. They're ordered. Probably you're looking at, I'm not sure. I'm just going randomly, but the fifth yeah. tip would be exactly that one where we're talking about, you know, just something pretty simple. And that's, and, and, you know, uh, it's interesting, Alan, these are tips that I came up with. I mean, I had these goals, right? I wanted to write a New York times bestselling book. Okay, and when I wrote that goal in 1988, um, I had no idea. I mean, I'd never had as good as a B in an English class. I had all C's. Um, you know, I think one person told me in 1988 they like the way I write. So, all right, let's write a New York Times bestseller. Pretty aggressive. Is that, and, e- is that uh, easy just to do that? <laughs> say it again. I'm, kid- I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. I said, is it just easy? I'm going to write a New York. I'm just going to declare. Yeah, yeah easy as that, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so so then basically, uh, you know, um, 
I finally wrote a book on how to play poker, play poker like the pros. And um, it's a really good book. It's filled with truth. And so, I mean, th these are the ways you play poker. This is the strategies behind, you know, great poker. And then someone kind of, you know, held that book up on ESPN when poker got hot and said, I read Phil Hamby's book. I'd never played seven card low before and I cashed for $20,000 and boom, oh. New York Times bestseller. So I was in LA. I remember that it was, it was fun. I was in LA and I got a phone call from, uh, from uh, Harper Collins and they said, where are you, Phil? And I said, I'm in LA. Oh yeah. Where exactly? The Lowe's hotel in Santa Monica. And so they, they said, Oh, well, your, your book just at the New York Times bestseller list and we're sending you a bottle of Dom Perignon. Nice. It was pretty nice. Yeah, I was becoming famous for drinking only Dom Perignon at that point in my life. Another <laughs> silly thing that that I was, you know, I don't even like Dom Perignon very much. But anyway, Alan, so was, <laughs> so that's the fifth one. Uh, uh, sorry, um, the fifth life tip is basically just I think of it as a pyramid, mm -hmm. and so I would write kind of, you know, on the bottom row the things that I needed to to not do anymore. Oh, and the middle, the middle row things that I needed to do and all the way up. And so, you know, and so basically, basically at the top was the most important thing, which if you're a poker player and you can lose all of your money on any given day, it causes you to become really smart EQ wise because you spend a lifetime looking inside trying to prevent. All right. Why did I lose? How much did I lose? So money management kind of the top of the pyramid for for me. And for a lot of people, you know, I had exercise in their, you know, reasonably healthy diet, um, a bunch of other stuff like that. Um, let's see that one. Let's take a look at what else did I have in that one, Alan? Well, I, I just think I think what you said at the beginning there, Phil, about it is is really something we forget. And you said sort of at the base, that is, you know, what are the things maybe I shouldn't be doing? And sometimes we yeah. We, we write this list of things down that we want to do, but I actually haven't thought of this until we just started talking about it. Maybe there's this list of things. I don't like to dwell on the, the negative too much, but I, I do think that if, if we're either doing something that's very destructive, that if you don't put that at the base, you're going to just be in your own way, right? You're just going to be like, okay, it doesn't matter all the other positive things I do if I'm maybe drinking too much or I'm not sleeping enough or I'm doing you know, other things that are destructive for my body or my brain or my relationships, you know, getting that out of the way is, is fundamental. That's the way, that's the way I take it. I don't know if that's the way you meant it. It's weird when you write a book and you see people take something that you wrote and then they have, a, it's almost like a song. Sometimes people, people get a different meaning out of it than maybe you were even thinking of and maybe a good way or maybe a bad way. I don't know, but that's what was my take about that particular part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, let's see, should we go on to the next one here? Yeah, I, li I like the, I, I, I mean, I know kind of what you mean by honor your code. But I'd love, <laughs> I'd love, I'd, I, in fact, I've seen it, Phil. I mean, I, I'd like to push pause for a second because I'm very lucky to know you as a person. And I, I've, I've seen somebody who's insanely honorable on every yes, level. And um, I, I wouldn't invite you to be part of this. You know, I wouldn't want you. Hopefully, let's just say this, Alan, you and I have been out in Las Vegas <laughs> a couple of times. Yes. Uh, with some other celebrities, I think. And then, you know. Yes. And, no, uh, but you you're know. you're an incredibly honorable person. Yeah. And, and and I've been lucky to meet a lot of your 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 family and your extended family. Um, and so people may know you as a world famous poker player, but what what do you mean by honor your code? 
Yeah, I mean that's a that that honor your code is one of the tips, and whatever 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 you believe to be right. Now, I mean, here's where you have to be very careful because I'm not going to tell people what morals and ethics they should follow. That's not my job to do, but what it is my job to do is to find the morals and ethics that you know that you believe in that you believe in, and for most people, those are the ones that they were raised with some based in religion. Um, you know, my parents were, you know, um, not as religious, but they were definitely into, you know, into, you know, not lying, not cheating, not stealing, you know, um, very moral and ethical. Yes. Very high morals and ethics. So for me, you know, my code is, you know, never cheat on my wife. And, you know, when you become famous, rich and famous, and it's, you know, uh, the fame started in what, two th in the poker world, the fame started in, you know, 1990. But in the regular world, uh, you know, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, it's, I can't even, tomorrow I'm sitting on the floor of the Warriors game, my friends own, and I get to sit with the owners, right? And the players will come up and say hi to me. It's crazy, right? Because um, I host an event for them every year. They need to win but, that game. What's that? They need to win tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, so to me, you know, having perfect honor, uh, having perfect ethics, and that extends to situations where, you know, maybe people have uh, slighted me um, or let's see, we're not to that yet. Uh, but that's a, that's a good, that's a good one to talk about, Phil, because later during tonight's uh, class, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And I think you have a really good story about that. I don't know if yeah. you're able to share that, but I, I, I you helped me. Um, that was probably at least four or five years ago. You first shared that with me. I don't know if you're able to or willing to share that particular story, but I think it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me finish this and then we'll go to that, that one, which is that, that next tip is, you know, is how did I word that? Alan? Exactly. Hate hurts you. Yeah. Hate hurts you. That's yeah. Good. I love the way hate hurts you is one of the tips, but let's go back to the honor, the code stuff. And so, you know, I've seen people that, you know, um, and this is how I first noticed it in poker tournaments, they'd be in world champion and all of a sudden they just fall apart and just destroy themselves. And I watch people destroy themselves so many times. And I'm like, why is that? They're not comfortable with themselves, right? There might be some psychological issues. Yes. Um, but there might be some other stuff going on. And I speculated and, and feel like after talking to some of these people that, you know, some people, you know, they haven't been a good father. And so they don't feel a sense of entitlement. Uh, they're a drug addict, so they don't feel a sense of entitlement. They're an alcoholic, so they don't feel a sense of entitlement. Um, they cheat people, so they don't feel a sense of entitlement. Maybe they cheat on their wives or their husbands. They don't feel a sense of entitlement. And so to me, you know, living, you know, sticking to perfect honor and ethics and morality gave me entitlement. Entitlement's a word which, you know, they try to make as a, look as a bad word right now. No, being entitled helps you achieve a lot in life. Um, being unentitled is a big hindrance for people. So, all right, now let's move on to the hate hurts you one. You're right, that's yeah. kind of a natural segue to that. So, yeah, yeah this, is my, this is probably my favorite tip. Um, it's great though. Yeah. And so, you know, but I came up with this stuff. Now everybody, now everybody's preaching hurts, hate hurts you, Alan. I was talking about this stuff, you know, in the 1990s, 
you know? And, uh, uh, you know, my wife and I studied Buddhism in the 1990s. I was talking, but anyway, now all of a sudden, everybody in the world's like, don't hate people, don't hate people. Well, let's start with a story where um, a professional poker player, I was staking online. I was, I was, I had given him $20,000 to play poker. And I get a call from the site that the $20,000 is gone. And I'm like, oh, no problem. Yeah, I'm sure he lost the money. Oh, no, no, he transferred it out. What? So this guy stole what turned out to be, um, it's important that, yeah, $22,000 from me. And so I was just, I was furious because I had sent him a check for his family. I was putting food on his table. He was also a very famous guy in our world. And so we caught him red-handed. And I called two of my friends and they're like, burn him, burn him. And I'm like, what? Didn't feel right to me, but I was still furious. So I told my wife, I said, honey, listen, we're going to go to the best restaurant in Palo Alto. We're going to spend as much as we can on a bottle of wine. And we're going to have this great dinner. And my wife's a, you know, a doctor at Stanford. And she was you know, probably, you know, I'm like, honey, you have to come with me. She's probably a little tired, but I dragged her. We had this great dinner and uh, a bottle of Chateau de Chem. And so we're sitting there and I just decided, listen, the best way to handle this is to, you know, is to completely forgive him. That's what I've been studying. And so, so it was a Monday. So I called the website and I said, hey, listen, seal this, you know, um, I'll deal with this in my own way. And we had all this evidence they never released. Still two people screaming in my ear, burn them, burn them, burn them. No. Thursday, I flew to the East Coast and I called this guy on the phone, of course, and he's crying, you know, red handed. So I go to the East Coast and I'm walking up the hallway. And I think of, you know, walking up a hallway. If I walk up the hallway of life and there's 8 million or 2 billion or 20 billion people that have lived on this planet walking towards me, I'll have an issue with zero of those people, Alan, zero of those people. Uh, maybe I did have issues. I forgave them all. Right. And so I don't have to ever turn left or right. And so here we are big poker tournament with, I don't know, 600 people in it. And, and this guy, sorry, it's stolen 28,000 from me. I'm a little rusty in talking about this tip. And so um, I'm walking up the, the hallway and I see him and I shook his hand, and it was very unnatural, and it almost hurt to shake his hand. You know, I mean, this guy just stole $28,000 from me, right? And But I shook his hand. I wouldn't hug him. And I went to the poker tournament. And fast forward to four days later, and I'm now down to three-handed, and I finished third for $280,000. And I thought to myself, this and is that's... just – you couldn't <laughs> make this up. Exactly. So forgiving him – basically led to a $280,000 win for me. And I'll tell you something, if I had released this, every single person in that room would have come up to me. A right. hundred people at least would have come up to me in that room and said, did he really do this? Did he really do that? Did he really do this? You know, and so rather than spend all this time throwing somebody else under the bus, rather than spend all this time condemning somebody, rather than spend all this time, you know, uh, on negativity, I just kept my head down and played poker. And won two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Now, you fast forward to nine months later, he paid me back the twenty eight thousand. Do you think if I would have destroyed his reputation, he would have paid me the twenty eight thousand? No way. Now, my wife noticed something five years later. Um, she's like, 
she's like she was proud of the move and 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 she's and she she noticed that this guy was defending me at a poker table and he said he's like your protector i did hug him like 10 years later when i saw him but he's like my protector he won't let anybody say anything negative about me anytime anywhere you know um and so it was really incredible um you know to, to the way this thing just kind of flipped by forgiving somebody and you know and then and then we came and then i came up with this three-step process for getting rid of hate um, that I love, that I wrote about, and that I use. And so the first step is to put yourself in that person's position. And, you know, and, and, you know, is there a reason they did what they did? No, there isn't. Okay, well, but, you know, is there anything redeeming about this person at all? Are they good to their wife? Are they good to their kids? Do they give money to charity? Anything at all? Are they funny? Sometimes you have to really dig deep. Yeah. And then, so I kind of found, you know, I found, uh, you know, um, so, so, so the first thing is, so then you're, you, and then the, the last, so, so you're thinking about put yourself in their shoes. Is there a reason they might've done what they did to you? And then, you know, uh, and, and along and kind of between those two is, is there any good qualities there? Then you go to your bed, make sure there's nobody around, lie down on your bed. And there's a, this is a technique they also use in, in Buddhism. Um, and, and basically what I'll do is I'll lie down. I'll make sure there's nobody in the house or I'll tell my wife, honey, you can't bother me. And now I'm lying down on my bed with my eyes closed, thinking about this person, sending them love. It's the most unnatural thing you've ever done in your life. You're trying to send love to this person that you, that you really hate or dislike. And, you know, and, you know, one of the, one of the, and so, so there you are sending love to this person. And then it's just weird the next time you see him, you talk about science. I've done this with four or five people. You talk about science, Alan. The next time I saw that person, every case, the first interaction was different. And maybe it's just something they saw in the eyes. I didn't look at them with, like I despised them anymore. And maybe they picked up on that quickly and the interaction is just completely different, right? And so it's amazing how then taking all that hate out of my life you know, and the other thing is like the people watching this, this seminar, if you think about the person you dislike or hate the most right now, put that person in your mind for a minute. That person's not thinking about you at all and doesn't think about you very often anyway. So the energy that you use towards hatred can be converted towards, you know, to me, other parts of life, whatever that is. I'm not saying convert your hate to positivity. I'm just saying, just get rid of the hate. Hate hurts you. That's, Bill, I, I, can't, I can't think of a more important message that we need in the world right now because there's a lot of hate out there um, and it's not accomplishing a lot. We're not getting a lot forward in anywhere. Uh, and in my world, I, I think hate uh, saps your vitality. And um, I, I want to I be very mindful of your time um, and we've gone a little, little bit over. Is there anything final you'd like to leave us with? I think you kind of need just drop the mic with that one now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the hate hurts. It is interesting. You know, um, I, I was mad and my wife thinks somehow that, you know, that I'm a Republican and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm in the middle. But I didn't like it when, you know, when there was so much, there's been so much hatred towards, uh, you know, political parties, right? 
And I, I think you have the 10% crazies, right? The 10% crazy Democrats, the 10% crazy Republicans. Most reasonable people will agree that we have both of those. And then you have the rest of us, the 80% in the middle. And I get kind of disappointed, uh, you know, when my, when my, you know, when some of my family members are part of the 10% of the, you know, on the Democratic side. You don't have side. to say which side. <laughs> on the Democratic side, let's say. And they're just, and they just spend way too much energy on negativity. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, I mean, yeah. Well, on the well, other we, hand, we, on the other hand, that's an issue. That's an issue which you know we're not going to bring up any names. And um, I think Alan is. Is there one more tip, or did we get that? Well, the final one is, and I, and, and I I know you don't love to always talk about this, but literally, Phil, you are the uh, and I I know you as my friend, but you are the world's most successful poker player, and you have been that well into your disclaimer to everybody out there. Phil and I are almost exactly the same age. Our birthdays are about five days apart. Um, and what I've been impressed with, in addition to your, your many, many accolades is your longevity. And so if you can, maybe if I can be a little selfish and say, okay, how have you been able to stay at the top of your game when you have all these young guns in their twenties and thirties, seriously trying to torpedo you in a game that's been moving very fast, uh, in terms of its changing, you know, strategies and and you still are literally uh, at the top of the top of the heap. Well, I imagine I imagine the people listening to this probably aren't all. Many of them are poker players. Might be half and half. So let's not. I will say this. Rather, let's talk about um, the dealing with the ego stuff, which is okay. just really difficult, you know. And uh, I call it keeping my head down. Right when my head is down and I'm paying attention, I'm able to focus and do some pretty cool things. Right. But when a head is up, listen to all these people tell me how great you are, how great you are. I mean, it was a weird weekend for me um, last weekend because, uh, you know, all these people coming up to me and saying, you're my all-time idol. You know, I mean, that's a weird one, right? And then you're my all-time idol. What the fuck is that? Sorry, sorry. What the fuck is that? You know, <laughs> really? <laughs> and, uh, you know. Uh, it's and so if you let that all the way in you're in trouble now you have to show some excitement and say hey thank you very much and shake their hand and they'll usually want a picture obviously and um, um but yeah that's just so difficult now and i spent so much time and, and and so much time and energy and effort and not being egotistical you know and uh you know it's weird too and then i as you know i've had this incredible you know, 18 months where I've kind of done more than anybody else in the poker world. Right. And so you know, I, I will I, push you a little bit, though, because I'm, I'm just really curious. Uh, let's take the ego out of it. But there's a lot of people. Um, is it OK? Well, since I did tell them, I won't tell them what your age is, but I'm 58. <laughs> uh, so at, at that lot, at time, a lot of people I have a lot of my friends in the doctor world who are starting to either push back or semi retire um, and to, to maintain that level of stamina, because poker tournaments take a long period of time, many, many days, sometimes 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Um, and then you have so many people gunning after you. I, I'm curious, because I actually haven't asked you that question. Is how, do, how do you maintain that level of excellence into your, I mean, I don't think we're ancient. Okay. I, I don't I want a disclaimer here. I don't think we're, we're ready to be put out to pasture, but I do see how things can start, start to decline in your mid to late fifties. So you've done the opposite in the last year and a half or so. 
Yeah, you know, I'm 58 like you, and uh, and so yeah, it's 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 uh, it's really you know energy energy management right to the best you can right because my weakness is I get tired and I blow it, and so you know, and yet I have 16 world championships. The next closest guys have 10, and so I'm way out in the lead, and I've had three seconds uh, since I won my 16th world championship. Three seconds and. Those hurt each time I had the chip lead. One of them I blew for sure. And it's very difficult, you know, because at the series, you know, and then I've got in addition to like, you know, then I then I have everybody watching me and then we're live on some stream with 20,000 people watching live. And then and then, you know, every time I leave the area, people scream your name. They want they'll leave me alone when I'm walking really quickly. They know I'm at a final table, you know but everyone wants pictures. And so it just becomes very um, intense. And I'm talking more specifically uh, about the World Series of Poker, which we're about to start. And I'll be in Vegas playing tournaments from May 30th until July 18th. I know the last day is the 18th. And so that's just super intense. That's like seven weeks of playing every single day. And, you know, and I've learned that I need days off. And, you know, um, you know, and then, and then I think it was... Uh, a year and a half ago, I uh, I had five final tables in the first 21 days, a first and then a second. Well, I blew it that second. I just had nothing left in the tank. Yep. And I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm defining it as no adrenaline left. And I don't know if that's the accurate term, but it's like I couldn't even see straight. It's like I couldn't play poker for four or five days after that second place finish. I hit that level of exhaustion after winning the tournament, and then I took it day and a half off and popped in this tournament the last minute and who knew I would take the chip lead in that and go all the way to second but I just ran out of energy and so it's it's tough Alan and you do the best you can uh workouts help um the last time I finished second um nine months ago or whatever it was uh and I'm talking about a world championship I won a big tournament as you know a couple weeks ago but I go back to that second place finish and it's just you know Three things, <laughs> 10 hour days of poker back to back to back and you work out and you grind and you do the best you can. But now I, I, I nap, you know, I do everything I can. I don't take anything. Um, I don't, you know, my doctor briefly had me take a cholesterol medication. I went to all vegetables for a while and I lost 40% of my cholesterol went down so much that I didn't have to do that. So, so yeah, for me, it's, um, you know, naps and resting and and working out well i want to i want to thank you phil for for sharing your you know tips for life i think people they put it in the chat here how to get your book on amazon uh the, the link to it right there um uh, we appreciate you sharing some of your expertise and in, in positivity why don't we take one or two questions and then i'm going to go alan okay i think that's a great idea so why don't we open it up um and then we can People can ask Phil some questions and I want to be home more. So I started traveling less and I started making an intentional switch to business. Not much happened for the first 10, 12, 13 years there. But in the last 13 years, um, I've advised 19 companies now. And, uh, you know, um, it's been fun for me. And I told my wife last year, I said, honey, I'm 57. I'm ramping up. What's going on? Am I making a mistake? Um, because... <laughs> You know, ramping up a lot of people like I have some, you know, one of my one of my friends is the best VC in the world. 
he was voted number one a few years ago, and now he's kind of starting to retire. And another guy's starting to. A lot of my friends are younger, but a lot of the older ones are are are, are doing a little bit less, and I find myself doing a lot more. And so I have to be very careful um, that I don't burn myself out. I did burn myself out finally a little bit too much last week when I went from uh, Seoul to Northern California to Mississippi. I was about to shoot a scene with John Travolta down there, and I was just too tired. Uh, but I won't do that to myself again. So it's a matter of, uh, so yeah, I'm thinking my encore is, I don't know, I, I just had a vision that I would, you know, um, a vision is, is, is a weird way of saying it because people are like, oh, he has visions. What I'm trying to say is I guess I saw myself becoming a billionaire in my 70s but I'm not going to put that effort and energy into making that happen. I already want to be the greatest poker player of all time. And now I have that, but I have to keep putting numbers up. But in order to achieve that, I probably only have to work hard for three months out of the year in order to, to stay the greatest poker player of all time and keep putting numbers up. Probably can do that for three or four months. That leaves a lot of extra time. Um, you know, uh, I really enjoyed writing this book, Positivity. I took it from my autobiography, which is Poker Brat. And I, I knew that, you know, I knew I was doing kind of the Ayn Rand thing where you're, you know, I, I knew the next book. I mean, the minute that, po the, that, that my, uh, my autobiography came out, I switched to positivity because I knew I, I felt like I could help the world with positivity. So all the tips in positivity are in Poker Brat but they're kind of like, here's one, here's one, here's one, here's one. And maybe a bunch are clumped together in the chapters, some of the earlier chapters. And so then it was a matter of, okay, what did Ayn Rand do? Fountainhead, Atlas Shrugged, these great books, and then wrote a book on philosophy. So I said, all right, this is my mini version of that. Um, I wasn't expecting Tony Robbins to tell people to buy my book in his advanced seminars. That was cool. But yeah, for the Encore Juliet, I don't know. I've thought about even doing a lot more with positivity because I think this is a message that resonates with everyone, absolutely everyone. And I think, you know, I've been thinking about it and I've talked to Alan about it a little bit too. And I just, my life is so fun and full and, and to me, perfect. I'm so blessed, right? I'm, I'm the all time great. Right. And, and my wife's been putting up with me for 33 years. She's <laughs> back there somewhere, you know, <laughs> Alan knows question. my wife. She's terrific, you know, and, and we have great kids. And, you know, and um, quick question from the chat, Phil, you know, if I may, I know you're, I know we're going to let you go here, but do you, do you define your purpose as being maybe the world's greatest poker player? And, and then you've already alluded a little bit to the spiritual dimension, but how much do those interact? I would, I would if, if you have a second. Well, I want to motivate. I wanted to, I wanted, what I noticed was that by being great in poker, I was motivating other people. And I also saw that with, Tiger Woods, you know, um, I am C Tiger's events and I've, you know, luckily Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan will hang out with me. And so when I watched Michael Jordan play basketball, I was so inspired by the energy and the effort. And when I watched Tiger Woods hit a shot from 230 yards from the rough over a tree, you know, I'm like, this is the limit of what humans can do. And so I'm at the limit of what humans can do in my profession and it motivates people and people are like, wow, how did he do that? And so you can actually inspire people. So as a professional poker player, I realize there's an inspirational element. And so then why not, you know, further that 
And yeah, so part of me feels like I owe it to the world to spread positivity more, but then I owe it to myself to be happy, you know, and, and, uh, and so yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. If Alan, maybe Alan, who's, you know, um, you know, like a force of nature, you're Alan Mishra as a force of nature. Maybe he can find a way where we can do stuff together. See, to me, to show up in a, an arena of 10,000 people and talk about positivity, right? That's ideal. You know, we're going to go on tour together. Yes, I want to pop into an arena of 10,000 people or 50 or 100,000 people and talk about my book, Positivity, change a lot of people's lives, go to another city. You know, Tony Robbins leaves these messages for me, voice messages. And uh, whenever I reach out to him, he's so nice to reach out back to me. And I think, um, you know, Peter Guber, you know, um, this, this other amazing guy kind of connected us and vouched for both of us. And so, you know, Tony's messages are like, Phil, I've been in 39 countries in the last 42 days. You know, how's it going? You know, he'll leave this voice message. Oh, to answer your question. Da, 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 da. Yeah, and I'm just like, wow, you know, like he's out there. I mean, the guy's worth $2 billion. We all know that he's a billionaire. And yet he's out there changing the world for the better. And, you know, you might say, oh, well, you know, he's not perfect or da, 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 or whatever. I mean, here's a guy though, that's dedicated to changing the world and has changed millions of people's lives, probably hundreds of millions of people's lives. And so I respect that. And so, you know, I know that I can, these eight life tips can go a long way to make people perform better. I kind of just thought I'm going to put this book out. It's going to sell millions of copies. No, it hasn't, you know? Um, so I kind of just thought that would take care of itself, but they're probably, I don't need the money, right? I've been very lucky financially. So, yeah. So I don't know. Um, we're, we're, I debate gonna, these things, Alan, you know, like what am I supposed this. to do next? Bill, you've, uh, nothing else. I really appreciate your time and you've inspired yeah. me uh, to, to work on, on, on our, on your arena tour. And I'll be, I'll be, I'll be one of the people with you. Um, thank you for your time, Phil. Um, have a great rest of your evening. Get some rest. I know you're Alan, let's do this together. Hold your yes, book up. Yes, we will. All right, tell you what, I'm going to declare. Hold right your now, book up. There we go. We're work together. You and I need to do this together. We need to. Right. We need to. We need to start. We need to go to in front of a couple thousand people to start, and then the all word right. spreads, and all of a sudden we can okay, do a few Phil. stadiums. You know, I'm going to hold you to this because I'm thinking about it for the fall. All right, I think. I think if we put something on your calendar, I know you're busy. I'm busy, but we were going to have a positivity and dare to be vital day. How about Love that? It. Thank you, all Phil. Right.